We have a little update here, little Epic Games slash iPhone slash iOS slash Apple update. Um, Epic says that Fortnite users on iPhone have now plummeted 60%. I don't know if this headline is correct. Do they mean iPhone or iOS? Because some people play on the iPad as well. Right. But maybe they mean iOS. This was shocking to me. Can you tell I'm shocked? Yeah. I, I can feel it. You can feel like it. energy. What was shocking to me was that they claim iOS as their number one platform. Out of 350 registered, 350 million registered users, more than 116 million are on iOS. Hmm. That's a lot of Fortnite players. Yeah. Can I mean, it started with the PC first, right? Fortnite? Or was it console? I know way, that you had the save component. the world thing. It wasn't going to be a battle royale game. No, it was like defend. And I believe kind of it was on my PlayStation as the save the world way in advance. So I don't know if it was on PC prior to that, but it was, it's been on PlayStation for a while mm. in the early days, but definitely iOS has, you know, it dominated because, because the user base is so big, right? There's so many iPhones out there and it seemed like kind of like PUBG was the Android took off on Android, PUBG mobile for user base, at least globally. But certainly uh, in North America and apparently globally, iOS just became a really popular platform for, for mm. Fortnite. And it's an important figure because right now Fortnite is saying, look, our daily actives are way down. They're, they claim 60% on iOS. So the people who were on the old, people who weren't able to get to the next season either stopped playing the game or switched platforms. We, w we wouldn't know. Of course, the game's available on Xbox, Android, PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, PCs. You could even still play it on Mac OS, Will. Mm. Couldn't you? I don't see why not. Yeah. So, anyway, they come in here and they say, they go speak to the judge and they say, look, we're in trouble. They claim this is, this is too big. We're not going to be able to climb out of this one because it's such a big portion of our user base. Of course, the the... the Apple themselves and those supporting Apple in this conversation, in this conflict, are going to say, well, you did it to yourself. You're going to say, well, what do you think you're going to do take on Apple? What do you think you're going to do try to avoid the 30%? You thought mm. you can get a special deal, 15% deal. Mm. You think you are Epic Games. Get on my face. But Sweeney comes in here. That's the head guy over at Epic. And he says, nah, it could be enough to, to destroy the game. I think we actually have a quote about it here. Daily active Fortnite users on iOS have already declined more than 60% since Apple began its retaliatory campaign. The firm added that Apple's actions will wreak havoc on the existing Fortnite community. Imagine havoc for the Fortnite community. Mm. It's terrifying. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have to say, though, and I said this in the past when we covered this topic, it's, it sounds funny talking about it. it's just a game, blah, blah, blah. But you can imagine some youngster that he got all the V-Bucks for his birthday or whatever. He yeah. loaded up on the skins. His device is an iOS device. He's got yeah. the iPad. iPad. Some, I don't know, a cheap iPad. iPad mini or whatever. Yeah. Old iPad. Mm -hmm. Put all his money into that. 
How he cries, cries a single tear every night before bed. You know, the slow tear for the real. Why am I laughing? That is sad. I don't know. Because he's just an innocent kid. Just he, he's just a bystander. Collateral you know, damage. Collateral damage, yeah. And the thing is, we talk about this story and it's these big businesses and it's, it's you know, a billion dollar business up against a trillion dollar business, right? And it's a lot of executives that have a lot of money in it, but really that kid exists and that kid is part of this huge user base 116 million ios users and when you put the number on it you start to imagine those faces you start to imagine those people now, i don't know that kid could probably maybe this is a blessing for him he puts the Fortnite down all of a sudden he starts yeah the parents are like finally starts studying and yeah and, and all of a sudden he uh gets the scholarship to the college and oh. actually it's the best thing that ever happened to him yeah <laughs> but no i mean people spend money and people have their communities within the game and people have their the way they're living their life and the world has really uh changed a lot recently and increasingly people are looking for these type of outlets this is how they communicate with their friends mm -hmm. this is how they connect they don't have that many uh you know i was coaching the baseball team mm -hmm. and all the youngsters on the baseball team that's how they communicate when they're you know they weren't going to school and it was very limited interaction with one another and they'd be like you know you hop on fortnite you put the headset on it was as much about the communication mm -hmm. and the contact as it was about whatever the game or platform happened to be that enabled that mm -hmm. because it was one of those rare cross-platform games it didn't matter which device you had and actually i pulled them on that i said what, what how are you connecting mm -hmm. and it was you know it was some nintendo switch it was some ios it was some android it was a variety ps4 obviously mm -hmm. it was a variety my, uh, xbox every single and that was the beauty of it that you could connect right. and and there's a big wrench in that you're talking about almost uh or a little bit more than one in three mm. users on ios that's a big number now that that's got to be a little higher than you expected no yeah yeah, yeah very surprising that's big time huge in install base and it sort of also illustrates how big of a risk epic was really taking now that you know the scale of that user base and the potential impact for them if they don't get this thing sorted out. Mm -hmm. And Epic is playing the card right now almost where they're trying to play up the significance or importance of Apple. They're trying to make the case that Apple is this successful and this powerful. They're almost like an antitrust, almost like an anti-competitive saying we can't survive without it. I mean, right. let's be real here. Epic will be fine. Mm -hmm. Epic will figure it out. Mm -hmm. Epic isn't going to go night-night, but... It's in their best interest right now to make the case that they won't be all right mm -hmm. because they want that judge to be on their side that in the to, to, that their suggestion is correct that Apple has this monopoly or something close to it and that if Apple doesn't grant you access to the App Store, if you don't play by their rules, you can't play at all. That's the case they want to make. Yeah, and the developers have their back too. And, and exactly. Yeah. And that's the case they would need to make. And again... It's a different story for each developer and at a different scale. Mm -hmm. And for some developers, that story might be true, that if they can't hack it or can't make it on iOS, they might not make it at all. I don't think Epic's that company, but Epic obviously the figurehead of that particular argument at the moment. Yeah. Uh, Huawei apparently is going to be releasing its first Harmony OS phone next year. Mm. And I mean, it's funny to me, I was watching the NHL playoffs last night and they still got, they're still promoting oh, P40. Oh, <laughs> they're saying the best smartphone camera and they're talking about how you can get apps with pedal search oh. because you don't have the app, you don't have the play store what's that yeah exactly oh. 
And but they're not packing it in, man. I'm obviously times have changed, things have changed. They canceled that sponsorship deal, that big Australian rugby team. And they've been backing off saying, well, Yeah, we're gonna peel it back because uh, obviously outside of China, we're facing these massive restrictions, none bigger than the inability to get chips from TSMC in Taiwan. They can't even continue the the Kieran stuff mm. at the moment. They can't even get chips out of Taiwan, man. Mm. And they can't get the OS. They need to run the devices. So they're really, they're, I mean, that's a tough spot to be in. And they said early on, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to do the Harmony OS. And people were like, all right, when? Mm. People were like, all right, sure. Sounds maybe. Mm-hmm. I was skeptical because obviously Android is uh, uh, very powerful. It opens up many opportunities for you. It's a well-established platform. And obviously in the Western markets, it is the, well, globally, it's the platform. Yeah. Never mind desktop-based platform. It's the platform. Mm -hmm. So Huawei's going to try to figure it out. They're going to try to take this OS that started as I believe what they call a small kernel or micro kernel, a micro kernel based OS, which currently resides on some smartwatches. I think actually in terms of consumer products, I think it's only in TVs right now. Oh, okay. But then it might pop up on the smartwatches and then they claim this year we'll see the smartphone with Harmony OS. Now you tell me, Willie Do, does it stand a chance against Android devices outside of China? Hmm. No. Who's going to take a shot? yet, because there's probably incompatibility issues in terms of software, right? I mean, it's a huge commitment for a buyer. They see a premium device. Yeah. They got a device that's 800 900 bucks, and then they, they're going to, I'm going to take a shot on this OS? Yeah. I'm going to take a shot. Can't support can, Gmail. Can I, can I get the yeah. apps I'm looking for? Are they going to be ported over? Who's going to do the work? We, we've been here with BlackBerry. Uh-huh. We've been here with other OSs that have attempted it. We were, I mean, Microsoft couldn't do it. Yeah. Microsoft couldn't build a phone, a successful phone, or at least a lasting phone on an OS that wasn't Android. Now they come to Android with the Surface Duo yeah. and other products, and now people really think there might be a chance. And let's just say if they can uh, port it, uh, you know, services and, and software, how well can it be? You know, is it going to be slow? Is it going to be buggy? It's a lot of questions, and it's a big risk for a for a, a buyer. It's a it's a big leap for a potential buyer because mm -hmm. they're going to have to you know they're going to be living with the results and the consequences, and they're going to if they have a subpar experience. I mean, the the value proposition is going to have to be so high. The camera, for example, would have to be so good that someone would say yes. it's worth the risk. Yeah. Or, or something like that. So anyway, apparently they're going to launch this thing this year. We'll see if people are willing to take a shot or a chance at it. One thing Huawei could do is try to incentivize developers to bring their apps to that OS. They can say, look, it's going to be worth it, but it's going to be a tough pitch. Like I said, others have tried. Many have failed. Where uh, Android is going to be a tough one to go up against right now. Mm -hmm. Well, Android and iOS, the combination of options, especially the price point Huawei was really focused on. They really wanted that flagship mm -hmm. level. So we'll see what takes place, but they're, they're, they're still working on it. Samsung, on the other hand, is booming right now. Samsung is gobbling up everything that used to be Huawei. Everything that they were sort of zeroed in on focusing on, the flagships, the foldables, 
the new markets and the actual 5G infrastructure. Mm. Samsung wants to play in that in that space. And you scroll down. I love this infographic, by the way, courtesy of Bloomberg. But we're reading it on Yahoo Finance because Bloomberg hit you with the paywall. Yeah, yeah. So we could have been on Bloomberg right now. You hear that, Bloomberg? Anyway, yeah, Yahoo Finance. The, of course, the story gets republished. It's a nice graph showing where the politics live when it comes to Huawei inside of 5G mobile networks. Obviously, China coming up green. It's allowed there. It's okay still in South Africa. I don't know what that nation is up there on the north end of Africa. Or no, that's on the other side of, what is that, Saudi Arabia? Over yeah. there? Oh, no. Maybe that's that's too yeah. big to be Saudi Arabia. What's that country, Well, Which one? This one? Yeah, that one right there. Uh, oh, <laughs> I, I don't know. You don't know. We're doing geography class right now. But there's a couple of other countries where it's allowed. You can see it, what looks like Indonesia over there. Uh, some parts of Asia, Russia up there. Then you see in the blue the on-defense countries, which actually Canada's in that mix. You have a couple South American countries. And that, that's on the fence, unlikely to use ban in effect. We get the bans fully in effect. What well, looks like the UK, Japan, Australia, and the United States, full out bans. I mean, it's just a shrinking pie mm-hmm. over here where Huawei can do business. And that leaves a, you want to take a shot at that right now? I have it right here. You're right. It's Saudi Arabia. Oh, okay. <laughs> Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Yeah, these are unlabeled, so I'm having to go off the off the memory there. Geography. You did pretty good. Yeah, actually, that looks like above Saudi Arabia. Is that Turkey? That's also uh, allow, allowing it? Um, it is, yeah. Okay, look at yeah. this. I mean, look at you. Well, it's also the politics. I'm also recognizing the politics. Oh, I see. Okay. So it's helpful. Yeah. But uh, there, there's another country there, restrictions in place, which is France. And then below that, Spain is unlikely to use so we have these different designations oh and and we have india who we've covered potentially has a soft ban Mm. on huawei but they're currently in the unlikely to use category however some are saying that internally in the in the actual government conversations those sources close to the matter Mm. apparently it is kind of like a soft ban in effect but nonetheless you can see the shrinking pool of potential places to do business and these, the way these 5G networks uh, uh, operate or these deals or these contracts is they're long-term. It could be like five years or something. Mm-hmm. And so when you're kept out of that work, and you're kept out of, the, you're kept out of at least the next five years, maybe the next decade mm-hmm. in some ways. So it's, it's a big deal. And increasingly, Samsung has looked to gobble up some of those opportunities. Now they strike a 5G deal with Verizon worth $6.6 billion. Mm-hmm. Huge deal. That's a lot of money, Will. Mm-hmm. Samsung Electronics Company wins a $6.6 billion order to provide fifth-generation wireless solutions to Verizon Communications in the U.S., a big win for the electronics giant and their networking gear business. This contract was just finalized, and it's going to be good through December 2025 because there's maintenance and there's a lot of stuff that goes with providing this equipment. This is one of the biggest deals that Samsung has done in terms of 5G contracts. And, of course, there were others competing for that deal. Huawei, not one of them, but companies like Nokia saw their, their uh, share, share price fall, possibly because of this deal. With this latest long-term strategic contract, we will continue to push the boundaries of 5G innovation to enhance mobile experiences 
for Verizon's customers. Verizon, famously, we, we spoke about when we're talking about 5G, one of the few to support the millimeter wave technology, providing some absolute banana town type of connectivity, close to one gigabit on mobile. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly if this equipment that, that Samsung's putting in will support that frequency band, but nonetheless, big deal for Samsung. They continue to gobble it up, whether it's the flagship device mm -hmm. or whether it's the 5G equipment. They see the, the pen to paper from Trump in the United States, and they say, okay, we'll pick up the slack. Yeah. We'll take the $6.6 billion, no problem. We're on our way. Yeah, good on them. So there you have it. Why you should stop sending photos on Apple iMessage? Did you know you should stop sending photos there? Well, Apple no, always why? coming with the privacy stuff. Yeah. And we talked about the commercial the other day. I didn't read the comments because I'm sure some people are yelling at me. They say, probably. Why are you coming at Apple? I was but yelling at you. I was just having fun with the commercial. Yeah. Uh, I actually think Apple does a good job when it comes to the privacy stuff. Mm -hmm. Apple arguably does the best job when it comes to the privacy stuff. I mean, barring a few uh, circumstances, bugs, things like this, where, where something is busted, but on... On the default level, they're, at least they're talking about it. Mm -hmm. However, I feel there are limitations to it. As I mentioned when I was talking about the commercial, the services you use on your phone, they're not all governed by Apple. Mm -hmm. Although, increasingly, at least into the future, that may change with certain relationships, including Facebook. Mm -hmm. uh, there's been some talk of limiting Facebook's abilities within your iPhone mm -hmm. and within iOS 14. It's been put on hold for the time being. Zuckerberg very upset right now. Mm -hmm. And we'll see if it actually goes through because it's a, it's kind of a funny dance, isn't it? As is, has been illustrated by Epic, if Apple really hurts Facebook's ability to turn revenue on iOS, Instagram, Facebook, and if Facebook was to retaliate pulling those apps, I'm not saying they would. It's too big of a deal. Pulling I'm saying Instagram. I'm saying they, they could shake hands. They're saying there's plenty of ways to figure it out. But yeah. let's just imagine a future in which those got pulled. Woo! Yeah. Those iOS users, I don't know, man. Mm -hmm. What is your phone? It's a gateway to apps and services. Yeah. You start to peel, peel, peel those layers. You question, yeah. what is it about your iPhone? And I can ask iOS users right now. What is that app for you? What is it about your iPhone that you actually enjoy? Is it really just, I mean, try to eliminate Google so you're not searching on, I mean, try to find a way to limit your exposure to the services that do track something about you and all of a sudden your experience is quite a bit different. Well, that's where this story comes in because mm. iMessage is supposed to be this secure messaging platform. Well, it is, right? You have encrypted messaging. It's far superior to SMS and far superior to what a lot of people are using on iOS, of course, you have options. You have WhatsApp for those purposes as well. That's a Facebook product too. Dare I say, dare I let you know, very popular Facebook product, WhatsApp, that goes under the radar. People don't yeah. talk about because a lot of people forget. Very ubiquitous. It's But it's huge, the install base. So that could be another uh, beef. What would happen to iOS across the globe if WhatsApp was, if there was a problem with WhatsApp as well, if Facebook decided to go nuclear on it? I'm not saying they will. Mm. Anyhow iMessage, encrypted messaging platform, Apple would tell you very, very secure. Well, this, this guy, uh, this writer, contributor on Forbes, actually, I think we've cited him before, Zach Doffman. So shout out to Zach. He was taking a little peek on how iMessage treats photos, particularly around 
location data, EXIF data. You know your photos, they, they can have data associated with it. Particularly, it can be really useful, actually, if you're sorting through your photos and and you're trying to, to manage thousands and thousands of photos. Yep. Location data can be a really n a nice con contributor mm -hmm. to be able to, you know, put a place to a photo. That's how yes. location stuff works. <laughs> yes. I'm starting to learn that. Categories yeah. and things. Yeah. But anyways, so most people have that location data turned on for their photos. But when you go into iMessage, unlike on social media where it will strip the EXIF data and the photo will no longer have that information associated with it, which could give away your location. Some people may not know this. When they, when they send a photo over iMessage, the EXIF data is still there. Mm. And so... If you are thinking of iMessage more like a social network or you're in these group chats and you're just th chucking things in there, mm -hmm. and a lot of people have access to it, maybe people who you wouldn't want to have that type of access or that type of information, they could they could go ahead and look at that information and potentially figure out your location. Now, there is a workaround, by the way. If you open the photo feature within iMessage, it will not send with that EXIF data. It will not send the location data alongside. I guess under the assumption that you wouldn't want to if you were snapping a photo right within the thing, but a lot of people don't do that. They go to the gallery right, right. Uh, or uh, camera roll on iOS and they pick a photo. That's when that would be sent through the location data. So there are workarounds, but they kind of, well, they kind of suck a little bit as identified in this particular article. Uh, you can turn off location data altogether. Uh, uh, most people don't want to do that. You can select one or multiple photos and then have the options to remove all photo data or just location data. So you can do it on like a per photo basis. This is kind of a, not the greatest workaround either. Yeah. So probably the best way is to just snap the photo right within the app and not even think about it as opposed to attaching it. This all depends on how important this information is to you. What this guy wants that wrote the article is some sort of a way within iMessage to just turn off location data being transmitted mm -hmm. through that app specifically. One yeah. toggle, I don't ever want to do that, mm -hmm. which I guess isn't currently there. But anyways, it's worth, worth thinking about if that matters to you, if you don't want people seeing your EXIF data, potentially figuring out your location based on a photo. Because they may reshare it too. They may take that photo and then post it somewhere else and the EXIF is going every time. Right. I could see a concern for um, like people buying and selling objects. Perfect example. Right. Like you can pull the data and then you can see exactly where the, their location is. So what if they did scam you? Or like what if you want to like, I don't know, it's a bad deal and yeah. you just want to find their location. A dispute takes place afterwards. Yeah. The, the, you sell something and then the person's like, I'm okay. not happy about yeah. it or or this is the this is a problem with it. And you're like, no, that wasn't a problem. When I sold it to you, that mm -hmm. thing wasn't scratched over there. That happened after. And the person's like, okay, let's talk about it. And then all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, no, there are uh, definitely, but I wouldn't use iMessage to co connect with somebody like that anyways. Yeah. But, to, but keep in mind, this is like if you would just attach an image in email, for example, it's still the EXIF data is still there too. That's true, yeah. So this is goes a lot of places, but as mentioned, social media will strip it to, for in order to protect the person posting. Mm -hmm. And uh, so just keep that in mind anyway. It's, a, it's decent advice if that's a thing that you want to protect. And maybe Apple will change this in upcoming software. But for the time being, 
you may want to just snap the photo right within mm. the iMessage app Good if call. you care about this. Uh, or or not send pictures that way, I suppose. Yeah. You could just use social media and maybe instant messengers on social media or whatever. Mm-hmm. WhatsApp or I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. EA is apologizing, and you you brought this one up to me as well. This is actually, this was getting some traction, this story. EA apologizing for putting full screen in ads in-game in UFC 4. It's a $60 game, and the, this, like, it's not while, it's not during the gameplay. I mean, that would be insane if it was during the actual gameplay. It pops up during the replay footage, and I don't know, maybe <laughs> you want to be careful showing this. I have no idea. Is, okay, is okay. this... Because cause I, I have no idea. That's a Reddit upload by the looks of it. But anyways, the Amazon original show, The Boys, which they've been promoting like crazy, by the way. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing this thing when I'm watching the Raptors games. and yeah. They're really promoting a show. show actually looks kind of interesting. I don't know what's going on with it. But they put it in the video game. And you know EA's cutting those deals, right? Mm-hmm. EA... They're, uh, well, they're big dogs in the game. Like, they can call up Amazon. They can, they're cutting a lot of deals. And Amazon has the Twitch piece, and it's just so connected. I mean, the boys promo is in the center of the octagon in the game before it comes up in the promo piece. But you're playing the game, and then the preview happens, or not the, the, the the replay happens from what the action just was. And then for, like, three seconds... Amazon original The Boys covers the whole screen. Mm-hmm. I think this wouldn't have been such a big issue if it just came up in the bottom left corner. Right, yeah. If yeah. It didn't co- I mean, the way it covers the whole screen. It's so blatant. Is, is very uh, suffocating. Yeah. Because it, it almost would have been better if they didn't, if they had done the whole screen instead of letting you see the little legs of the guys. It's yeah. so suffocating and claustrophobic. Or what, why don't they have like Bruce Buffer or something? Just call it. Say it. Like the audio. At the beginning. Yeah. As they do during the fights. Yeah. Some people hate that too, though. The fight's right about to start and then he's telling you about a movie. Modelo or something? No, no. It's, it's especially a movie. He'd be like, coming to theaters yeah. in the fall. Whatever. But yeah, Modelo's there too. Anyways, look. They were testing it out. They were trying it out. And then all of a sudden, they got 100,000 upvotes on people mad about it on Reddit. And they went in there and they put out a they put out a statement. It is abundantly clear from your feedback that integrating ads into the replay and overlay experience is not welcome. The company spokesperson said, we apologize for any disruption to gameplay that players may have experienced. So they got rid of it. They said, look, we heard you. 100,000 people. We tried. We tried to see what your threshold was. Yeah. And you didn't like it. And so we're going to get rid of it. As I said, my advice, you could have just put it in the bottom corner. And also, if you're going to have the ads and they're going to be like that, maybe you offer a subsidized price to Mm -hmm. the game. Maybe you say with ads, without ads. Amazon's done this in the past with the Kindle products. And if somebody wants to get the game at half price or something and have more blatant ads in it, lovely. Yeah, give them the option. They save 30 bucks or whatever, but not having the option there and only having a $60, I think that's when people start to get, because they paid the 60. Yeah. And that's not cheap, really. Mm -hmm. Think about it, so. Anyway, they got rid of it. Apparently, Amazon is filled with fake reviews. Can you imagine that, Will? The nerve. Can you imagine? I See, the thing is, I don't really read the reviews on Amazon. I'm going to be honest with you. You don't? No, I don't really read the reviews. Okay. I, uh, I think for me, the older I get, Will, the more I look at my own experiences with a particular brand when I'm 
start to think about whether or not I want to invest in a product from a particular brand. I'm just uh, leveraging my own personal experiences. And I understand not everybody can have experiences with all brands. And so you look to others in order to, to figure out uh, what might be good or bad. Yeah. But it's, it's the trouble in it is the individual doing the review might have different a different perspective than you. They might have a different use case than you. They might have a different threshold than you mm. for what they what they expect or what could be cuz like often you could read a negative review and the person's like it came out of the box with a little speck underneath or the paintwork wasn't per and you're like yeah some standards are super high. It's too yeah. it's it's you don't know the person. Yeah. You don't know them, you never saw them, you never had a conversation. It's not like a pal of yours that you feel like okay, I know this guy well, and now I can consider the source. But do you uh, see the ratings? Are they worth something to you? I, I would say I look at it less and less. I think the only way it's really going to be a standout to me is if it's absolutely terrible, like one star or something. Then I'd be like, geez. But, but, but you want to know something? It's almost had the opposite effect on me in some circumstances where I would look at Yelp or something, which I don't do that often, but I would look at Yelp or something, and I would read the actual reviews. I'd be like, this person is just a jerk. They'd be, they'd be like, oh, unbelievable, this restaurant. They took, because I'll go in and I just, I'm curious. Yeah. And they would go in and say, I waited 40 minutes and this and that. I'm like, you're just, there's so many variables. And maybe I'm too optimistic. Maybe I'm giving yeah. people a chance here. Yeah. But again, if it's too many, if it's a bunch, I understand. If it's everybody has a negative experience, it's super useful to avoid a place. But oftentimes I'll see one guy has got five stars and then the next person's one star. People are so polarized. Mm -hmm. Like no one uses. That's why uh, Amazon has like critical reviews. You know? Yes. Like those are useful. I read them more so. Than yeah, but, how, but, but those can be fake too, Will. Because yes, it could they be. They can all be fake. It could be the competitor of that company. Yeah. That comes in and wants to dominate the rankings and kill the sales on their competitor's product. Yeah. And so then they go in there and say horrible and they just rip it in half, take a picture. And how do you vet this stuff? Again, so long as you don't know the person, it's very difficult. Well, people vet the critical reviews. That's why they're like the top of the top is what I've come to know. And that's why I depend. Yeah. On. Dude. But even then, like, yeah, you think are about right. this. Will. think about this. Will. you and I, we have a company. Yeah. All right. And, and we're in a particular marketplace. I don't know. Let's say uh, headphones. We have a headphone company. Mm. And all of a sudden, our competitor is slamming with the amazing reviews. And I'm not saying we would ever do this because you and I would not do this. Yeah. But we go in, we purchase a pair. Right? The pair shows up at the door. We crack the headband in half. We snap a photo. Absolutely terrible. Horrendous quality. Blah, blah, blah. Takes two seconds and 20 bucks and we just wrecked the company. It's too easy. Well, we, we, we didn't wreck the company. Well, the reason why there's so many reviews is like it's it's there for a reason. No. Unless there's like like there's over 50% of fake reviews, which I, I don't. Well, that's exactly what's actually coming out in this article. Is that is that true? Well, what's coming out in this article is it's it's a tremendous number. There's a Facebook groups with huge numbers of members offering uh, 560 requests every day for payments for positive reviews of around $6. Oh. 
it's $6 to do a positive review. And in the past, we've seen job postings show up mm. where companies got lazy and they're actually hiring people just to write reviews right. from big brands. Now, the, the positive one isn't as bad, I guess, as the negative one. But what I was trying to display to you is if the negative ones rise to the, to the top and you could actually consider it feasible to really attack your mm -hmm. restaurant owners. There's, like been, a, there's been stories of it where a competing restaurant like, owner right. will do a negative review of the competing rest. Yeah. It's too hard, man. Yeah, especially if you just want to get something. You know, top of mind, you don't really want to read the reviews. You just want to get it. It's, so, it's difficult. It's difficult. Yeah. You you have to know if the thing that you're looking at or reading, you have to consider the source. And the longer that we don't do that, same thing in social media. You read a comment from somebody, totally negative mm -hmm. comment. You don't consider the source. You just feel terrible about it. Who is this person? Why are you taking advice yeah. from a person you don't know anything about? There mm -hmm. are There's a wide variety of people in the world. And I'm not saying everybody's crazy. I'm not saying everybody sucks. But some people are negative. Some people are in a bad place mentally mm -hmm. where they're sitting from behind their monitor on their chair and it all looks the same as it comes through to you because it's formatted the same way mm -hmm. and yeah. there could be somebody in the reviews for the record who's super thoughtful did their work has something really awesome to add that absolutely happens yeah but the problem is their thing appears the same way as somebody who maybe hasn't done all that yeah yeah in the same way that a negative criticism could come from somebody where it's really totally useful and that person has considered the whole thing or that criticism could come from somebody who's just having a bad day and wants to take it out on someone else. Mm -hmm. This is the trouble, whether it's a social media post or an online review or whatever else, not knowing the person responsible, not having the track record. Now I know Amazon does have a way to click on the user and see their other reviews and Yelp does the same thing, super users, yeah. this and that. They try to find ways to do the thing that I'm talking about, but typically the way I would interact with a product page is a lot more superficial and fast. Yeah. And in that moment, as you look at the star rating or whatever it happens to be, and on Amazon, by the way, the star rating really impacts mm -hmm. where a product surfaces in a search result. Uh, it's just not always feasible to vet the user, click through on the user. It depends on the price of the product, how much time you're gonna spend investigating those reviews. And it's not really the intent, but apparently this is a thing that's growing, not just on Amazon, it's also, it's also there on Walmart, it's on eBay, and it's, it's skyrocketed because it's a business and, and mm. people are sitting at home looking for things to do anyway, mm -hmm. and you give them six bucks per review, and they're chopping out, you know, twenty reviews in a day. It's not a bad, uh, it's not a bad gig. Yeah, fifty reviews in a day. It doesn't, it doesn't take all that long. Uh, Amazon told CNBC that it uses powerful machine learning tools and skilled investigators to analyze over ten million review submissions weekly, aiming to stop abusive reviews before they are ever published. Uh, still, the company recently removed over twenty thousand reviews after an investigation found that the top Amazon reviewers in the UK were all engaging in fraud. Mm. So, look. I think the principle, the premise is fantastic, but I think the policing is way more difficult than the average person would imagine. Mm. I remember when I used to do these videos, WTF products that I would find on Amazon, mm. and inevitably you would read the reviews and the reviews were all just jokes. And I would get a laugh out of it. Mm. They'd be like, this cable saved my marriage. 
or yeah. something completely irrelevant. And you'd be like, how does your machine learning let that one by? Mm-hmm. And it's all, it happens all the time mm-hmm. that it will be some kind of wildly expensive product, some joke. And then the whole review section is just jokes. Yeah. So if your machine learning is, can sort out all the, that should be number one. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't. So I don't have a lot of uh, confidence. And like I said, in my case, I'll talk to people I actually know uh, that I that I can vet as human beings or I'll, I'll look at my own experiences with a brand or a product. And then other times I'll just be okay with a certain amount of risk involved yeah. with the product. And I'll just be like, all right, we'll see how that goes. And I'll check YouTube. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. I'll go check YouTube and see you know, a user that puts a face on it at least. I don't know. Overall, you just got to be diligent into uh, what you purchase. And if you have some sort of um, standard or subpar standard, then that's what you're going to get, right? Like if you don't do the work in terms of research. Yeah, and and look, it's unfortunate. I mean, there's even products from big, big brands that sometimes it doesn't work out for you. Mm -hmm. And that's another weird one. Even for me making these videos over here where I could have a terrible experience with a product and I might have got a dud. I might have got one out of, you know, a hundred that's busted. But if I make a video about it, I just put that in front of a million people. Mm-hmm. And that may not be indicative of everybody's experience. Now, sure, it's like, how out of all the people did I get the one that's broken mm-hmm. or has an issue? And we've seen this with smartphones that have problems. And, you know, we've you see how these videos blow up and and all the rest of it. But it's like, You don't have all the data in front of you. You don't know how many got sent back. You don't know how prevalent this is, mm-hmm. this particular issue. So you're going to go on there and see all you have to go on is your personal experience yes. at the end. That's the only thing you know to be certain. Yeah. And so it turns out that as useful as these things look, they do lim- they are limited mm-hmm. to a certain extent. Anyway. It can be useful. But let's just understand the limitation. Yeah. And let's just leave some open, let's leave some room for the unknown. Mm-hmm. We don't always know, man. No, you're right. I hear you. There's more to the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mixed reality headsets are finally starting to enter workplaces. And you know it's got to get kicked off in Japan. And I've been thinking about this ever since these things started to emerge. Where are they going to be used? How are they going to be used? Uh, particularly the HoloLens, which was one of the first commercially available uh, augmented reality headsets. And so some of that early promo material that Microsoft put out showcased you had some gaming stuff, right? You had some design stuff, but there were little pieces. I think there was a somebody working on a motorcycle and they could see the pieces and the schematics and almost like a three-dimensional kind of manual, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, wow, that now that's really exciting and immediately applicable, that it could be a superior experience for somebody trying to put something together. Well, this, uh, this story here is actually about uh, a railroad, a railway maintenance worker who uh, was repairing a brake on a rail, railway equipment and he was wearing Microsoft's HoloLens in order to aid in that particular repair. Now, this is a company that historically has used paper manuals. And they would have, I mean, it's obviously not perfect. It could be many, many pages. And you got to touch it. And it's messy work. Mm-hmm. You got 
break material and dirt and grime on this equipment that you're working with and then you got to touch the paper manual and you got to flip through physical pages and it's just not an ideal scenario so this guy says that i don't need to worry about staining a paper manual with any oil he's been in business for 53 years but suggests that this could really help a lot of new workers coming into the business to grasp the know-how more quickly and easily because it's intuitive mm. right to see an actually an actual deconstruction of the steps that you're about to take inside of an augmented reality headset that's pretty that's going to be pretty cool no mm-hmm. so yeah. this is a this is a a very specific case where this company took almost two years to develop a, an application for hololens essentially taking its it's, it's uh, paper manuals. And now the HoloLens is capable of showing 127 different processes, including disassembling breaks in mixed reality, step by step. Oh, wow. So you could see this in all kinds of factories of the future. It's cool to see it start making its way. Obviously, in the automotive industry, you could see it in assembly lines, mm-hmm. showing you the different steps in such a fashion that's more intuitive to a human than constantly changing your reference point, looking at a screen of how to do something or a paper manual or something like that. Yeah, I saw um, an article about uh, using augmented reality for education recently. Uh, yeah. and, and it showed like the like a volcano, mm. an active volcano that has like an animation and of all course. the kids are gathered around. Really cool stuff. Yeah, there's a long way to go. There's so many potential applications for this. Yeah. Uh, he says in here, the resolution is low, but the image has depth because of the cameras to create. And, it, and it's the, really the three-dimensional data that makes this so much more, like I said, intuitive and easy to understand. I mean, you've obviously had this experience. Everybody has. You're looking at like a manual or something. You're like, yeah, yeah. What angle is the image? How many? It could be the simplest manual ever. It could be building a piece of furniture or something. And yeah. still, it's like, do I have to twist that? Is that? And everyone's had this experience. Mm-hmm. And so you imagine that now that you have three-dimensional space, you just move around the thing and yep. it's, uh, yes, tons of potential. AMD takes a shot back at NVIDIA. You know, NVIDIA had a big event. They They put out these really hot new cards. Ray tracing. Yeah, they put out all the ray tracing. Yeah. And, they, and I mean, it's been like tons of buzz on the internet. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever been on the internet, but mm. a lot of buzz right now. NVIDIA buzz, the gamers rejoicing, thinking about all those, all, the, all, the, all that ray tracing, all those frame rates, all those benchmarks. They're getting all fired up. They're getting ready for September, October. Yeah. Are we in September? We're in September. Very soon. We're getting ready. We're preparing ourselves. Well, AMD, they don't want to be left by the wayside. So they're gonna they're ready to take on NVIDIA's new stuff. How? By releasing bicycles. Mm. Shout out to TechSpot for finding this one. Because for some reason, AMD recently published on their store two different bicycles you can buy. A mountain bike and a cruiser. AMD branded orange tires. Whoa. This uh <laughs> this is heating up here. This- <laughs> Obviously, they're not targeting NVIDIA, but it's just funny that people are sitting around talking about these, 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 these people are, you have 
we talk often about iOS, Android, iPhone, this and that, and the various f fandoms that exist around tech brands. And I've been talking about the NVIDIA stuff just a tiny bit, and you already get a sense for the battleground that exists mm. inside of there. AMD people, NVIDIA people, Intel people. It's just like, wow. Mm -hmm. It's all there. So anyway, it's kind of funny to put this put these bikes up there. These are two bicycles on offer, the AMD Custom Cruiser Bike and the AMD Custom Mountain Bike. They're not that expensive. They're both available for $299. They ship anywhere in America. Available in black and white with orange accents and AMD detailing. I don't, I don't know what to make of this, Will. This one caught me off guard. You just... It's on... Let me see. I'm going to go to the store right now. You can buy t-shirts. Oh, wait. The bikes are gone? No, hang on. I don't have the bikes right now. Hold on. Shop all. Wait. Oh, yeah. I have the bikes. I have the bikes. Are they supposed to represent like horsepower or something? I, 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 or speed? Dude, I... Like it's, physical speed? So the entire website, it's like a new type of merch. The website is stickers, hats, t-shirts, hoodies... And then mountain, and then a mountain bike shows up. I mean, that's a huge escalation right there. That's the that's no chill. You have a water bottle. That's it. A, uh, you have a collared shirt. You have some hats. And some reason there's two bikes there, two three hundred dollar bikes. I would say that's noteworthy. Yeah, they're having fun with it. Why not? Just you know, add a bike in there. What kind of attention are you going to get if you're rolling around on the AMD bike? Probably not a lot. I mean, you don't think anybody the branding would even. Branding is very uh, minimal. I don't know, man. This could be legendary now. If you're amongst the right community, be like, man, you got the AMD bike for two ninety nine. This could be a relic. Yeah, like a collector's item yeah. or something. Mm -hmm. It's really, really strange. Now, it will, like I said, it only ships. I mean, a bike is a large object, so it's understandable. It only ships to the United States at the moment. Uh, black frame white frame with black wheels or white frame with orange wheels okay and the shipping charges $50 per bike custom AMD mountain bikes designed for many years of fun and comfortable transportation 21 speed bicycle loaded with great mountain bike features including twist grip Shimano index shifting linear pole mountain mountain bike brakes dual suspension 26 inch alloy wheels and a quick release seat post <laughs> I don't know, man. Whatever. Do as you will. Do as you can. Because you can. Bikes are merch now. We should just put out the Unbox Therapy bikes. Yeah. I, th I mean, this is like, it must be a thing that you can order and you just slap your brand on it. Much like the merch looks the same way on this site. Yeah. I don't know, man. What to make of it. You showed me this one. Programmer somehow turns, uh, makes playable, makes Doom playable on a pregnancy test. Mm-hmm. So somebody challenged this guy to, for some reason, pregnancy tests had come up on social media yeah. recently. There was a viral post about how expensive they are when they're really sort of dumb technology. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I don't know if this is any in any way related to that, but somebody challenged this Twitter user, Foon, to, uh, to, 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 the, to the will it run Doom challenge. You know, people, they try to get Doom to run on... Mm. seemingly less sophisticated hardware. And uh, so this guy said, well, the first 
the first thing he was able to show off was just video of Doom playing on a very pixelated display, as you're showcasing here. <laughs> I mean, hardly play. I, you tell me if it's playable or not. No. Probably not. But, but no. this is just a video right now. And then you scroll down a little further and he says, okay, fine. That You know, I started with the video, but then he was able to actually get a keyboard input. And shows that off with one of those little portable keyboards. And you can see he actually does have a functioning Doom game on something that looks like a pregnancy test. Well, it's at least the chassis of a pregnancy test. But then you said to me, well, wait a sec. Did those screens have that many pixels? To which I said, I'm surprised by that too. So then I look a little deeper into the article and it says it's important to note that Foon did replace the display and microcontroller. So the only part of the original tester is the shell. Mm. However, getting Doom running and playable on a 128 by 32 pixel monochrome display at one BPP is still an impre impressive feat. Okay, so mm -hmm. I agree. It's still impressive, but it's hardly a pregnancy tester at that moment. So the headline kind of goes out the window a little bit, but it's yeah. still, I mean, it's still cool. It's, it's still, uh, you had to find the display that I would think that's fit. that's the original display. That's the original display. I mean, that's lacking pixels. Yeah. So, and he wasn't trying to hide it, by the way. He covered everything on the, on the Twitter feed yeah. each step of the way. So if you're thinking, oh, well, how dare you say that? He, he covered everything and his full transparency on it. And I, I think it's a, it's a feat nonetheless. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's not a thing I ever imagined would be necessary. But that's the beauty of the internet, Well, It's all, all bases covered. Mm -hmm. If you can think of it, it has happened or is currently happening. Yeah, someone's... Uh, that's, both, that's both uh, incredible and terrifying. Uh-huh. If you can think it, it has happened on the internet or it is currently happening or it will happen soon in the future. It's just chaos. I'm terrified. Here's a fun one. Oh, I mean, I guess it's not fun. Yeah. How did I start this with it's a fun one? I mean, it's different. It's not fun, but no. It's different for us. But I don't know. I'm so <laughs> I'm so conflicted by this. You had a good time. I am so conflicted by this story. I do not know how to feel about it. It's so strange to me. And maybe it shouldn't be strange. Maybe it is straightforward. But I, you know me, Will. I always have to dig a little. I oh I don't know. I'm just I work to try to find to try to comprehend, to try to... Well, what matters to you? Put it in a package to yeah. try to make sense of it. Uh -huh. Sometimes there is no sense to be made. No. Most of the time. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the number one tennis player in the world, Novak Djokovic, gets kicked out of the U.S. Open. I guess it's one of the biggest tournaments, if not the biggest tournament of the year. It, alongside the fact that you had the COVID stuff, he actually had COVID. And hosted a tournament where a bunch of people distributed. So it's, it's been a tough ride already. Mm. Well, anyways, he was uh, having a rough match. And has been going through some pain in the shoulder. And I guess he was down in this match. He turns and slaps the ball to one of the officials. And the official appeared to be unaware that the ball was being slapped in their direction. And the ball somehow finds... The center of the throat on the official. Mm. And you can, I don't know, scroll a couple of frames because I believe ESPN is trying to get this taken down everywhere it's being shown. And you pick the perfect frame and you see the balls flying in the air. Uh -huh. And I will tell you, I'm not physically there, 
but it's it's definitely not a serve. All right, it's a kind of a tap, but this is obviously Djokovic. He knows how to hit a ball. And it, maybe it's a little harder than you would normally tap it to one of these officials. Maybe you would never tap it to these officials. I don't know what he's expecting to take place here. But the ball flies. It hits the official clean in the throat. And the official with the reaction, I mean, the reaction looks slow the way Willie Dew is going frame <laughs> by frame. But there is a reaction. The official goes down. And Djokovic runs over there. There's a whole discussion. And the individual who is who is hit here is removed from the match, removed from the tournament. They walk off the court, injured, presumably. I mean, they walk off on their own on their own power. There's no He's stretcher. Down. There's no stretcher that comes out. Yeah. Djokovic seems remorseful. It seems like a mistake. He seems almost to be admitting that it's a mistake, sort of. Because of his reaction, after, immediately after it ha happens, he kind of reaches out like this and walks over there. And then there's a conversation between him and the remaining officials, and they say, you're out, bud. You're done here. Oh, and that's the number guy. one player in the world. And I watch this, and I just think to myself, I just think to myself, Will, do you, what is the correct, I mean, this is their protocol, right? It's not my protocol. Apparently, if an official gets removed, and you had anything to do with it, it's right in there. Apparently, it's written right in there. Hmm. Even if you didn't intend it. He says, by the way, this whole situation has left me really sad and empty. He said that on Instagram. I checked on the Lions person, and the tournament told me, thank God she is feeling okay. I'm extremely sorry to have caused her such stress. So unintended, so wrong. I need to go back and work on my disappointment and turn this all into a lesson for my growth and evolution as a player, as a human being. Oh, man. I apologize is, uh, to, the, to the U.S. Open tournament and everyone associated for my behavior. Oh, jeez. I mean, it hurts the tournament. It hurts the sport, I guess. It hurts the people he was going to play that wanted to play against the number one player like and then the person who wins the tournament it would be like oh but you didn't beat Djokovic yeah. or he didn't get kicked out in the in the typical way that he got beat so he's not a you know what I'm saying it just mm -hmm. skews the whole thing over something so dumb and seemingly like I'm trying to imagine myself now I don't know the way it would feel or felt to take you take the ball there at that velocity obviously I'm just completely I'm an outsider I'm on the, I'm the armchair quarterback right now mm -hmm. This is an accident, though, right? It's an accident. Is, he didn't purposely do that. It's an accident. It's just so unfortunate that it just landed square on her neck. Here's the dial. Here's here's from the actual rules, the Grand Slam rules. Hitting a ball or throwing a racket without intent to harm is enough. So you don't need the intent. You just need the harm part. And the officials had no choice. That met the protocol. It's harm. It's perceived as harm, and it wasn't in the course of play. And it doesn't help, I guess, that he was upset at that moment. But I don't know. I don't watch enough tennis to know if that's a regular... There's a Look at that image. Incredible image. She's what, like, cha-ching. <laughs> what can you take from that image? I mean, the image. Is she really damaged? Yeah. Would you be like that if you were damaged? Now, I, look, I, I get it. We're just looking from the sideline. I have some sympathy, but the question is how much sympathy? Mm -hmm. Is there a court case? Does he get sued? It's a it's a crazy case. It's a perfect case, actually, for 2020. 
all the things that, you know, mm-hmm. it fits perfectly with 2020. But I would have liked to think that there would have been some sol- some other solution than the one that took yeah. place. I understand they had their rules, but, you know, I've been in tournaments. I play sports my whole life. And uh, I, it sucks for the whole thing to be over over something accidental. Mm-hmm. If there was real intent to do harm, I'm fully there. Yeah, I'm fully there. But unless it's some sort of catastrophic damage, and maybe this has more to do with the rule book than it does with their response. Because if it's in the rule book, it's in the rule book. And maybe, you know, there's obviously been situations in the past, maybe even worse than this, that caused them yeah, to write the right. rule book the way they do. Yeah. But you watch the clip. You go watch it for yourself. You tell me what you think. I'm not telling you how to think. You gotta, I mean, you gotta look at the footage and try to come to your own conclusion on that one. Yeah, I mean, hopefully she's okay. Hopefully she can be okay from this. And I mean, man, if they if he can just finish the tournament, if he can that that would be No, awesome. he's out. He's out. You it's know? over. He's out of the tournament. And uh Yeah, that's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes, well, sometimes. You could have the best intentions. I mean, sometimes you could be on a tennis court, you could tap a ball, and it could hit somebody <laughs> yeah. square in the throat, even though of all the places it could have hit on that wall, in the chest, in the belly, or the person could have picked up that he was doing it and caught it or whatever. Uh-huh. I, again, all the possible outcomes, this is the one. It's It seems surreal. Mm-hmm. It seems surreal. The ball finds the throat. He happens to be the number one player at the time. It's incredible. It's hard to imagine it all happening the way that it did, but sometimes in life, a tennis ball hits you in the throat. I don't know. 2020. I don't know.